Hi, I'm Adam Murray. Subtle Disruptors is about pondering two questions. What does it mean to live well in this moment, given the context within which we find ourselves? And how can we shape the world we live in so that it becomes closer to the one we want to inhabit? I do this by talking with people who you probably haven't heard of, but who I think are embodying a fascinating response to these two questions and doing it in a way that involves subtle changes all of us can make. I want you and I to get as much as possible out of these stories and to feel encouraged, connected and resolute in our own quests of subtle disruption. This week I'm talking with Jessica Ivers. Here's a little bit from Jess. And yeah, it was my, my boss at the time said to me, um, she's like, how come you want to save the orangutans? But she's like, oh, you still eat meat. And I was like, oh, well, I guess that's different. You know, they're an endangered species and I guess the, the animals that I eat aren't. So I didn't really see a problem with it. But then I started thinking about it and I just, yeah, I just thought, no, that's, that's wrong. I can't, I can't call myself an animal lover and I can't say I want to save one species of animals but then eat another. Like, it just didn't sit right with me. So, yeah. I had an excellent chat with Jess, but before I tell you about it, I wanted to let you know about an exciting development in that I now have sponsorship for the show. This will allow me to cover my costs as I continue to bring you new stories from different parts of Australia and across the globe. A brand new product to market, Roy Mint Company produced the highest quality fresh mints you can find and through a connection to local artists have created an entirely different mint experience. Available only in select coffee shops, partnered locations and online, you can learn more at roymintco.com and share their journey by following Roy Mint Co on Instagram. I've had my fair share of moments of realising that the way I've been living is no longer congruent with who I am. Something has had to change, a new way of living required. For Jessica Ivers, as we just heard, this was about aligning her love of animals with her diet. Jess is a social media guru, which has taken her from grand slams to politics. She's also a change maker with a love for environmental sustainability and animal welfare, and has a great blog called thereluctantvegan.com.au. Thanks for joining me, and I hope you enjoy listening. Oh, well, yeah. Do you want to start by explaining where we're sitting today, where you've chosen for our chat, or maybe you can elaborate on where we are? On how we got here. Yeah. Yeah, so it wasn't quite where I'd anticipated, but it's actually, I feel like it's also suited the space for our chat. Um, so at the Abbotsford Convent, sitting in a little courtyard, surrounded by nice trees and plants and a quiet little space and... Having a coffee, it's probably one of my favourite things to do. Just sit and appreciate nothing, but shame that the farm, <laughs> the yeah. Collingwood farm wasn't open. Couldn't go and play with the animals, but maybe next time. <laughs> but that's one of my favourite places in Melbourne too. The Collingwood Children's yeah. Farm? Just go and chill out there. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes just head down there for an afternoon yeah, and yeah, yeah, go and just look at the animals and <laughs> yeah. yeah, go have a coffee and just sit and yeah, this one, it's nice. Obviously, it's filled with a lot of children a lot of the times, as it's a children's farm, but I think it's a really nice place for kids especially to, I guess, to connect with animals mm. and considering it's, you know, we're four or five k's out of the CBD, for kids to be able to do that somewhere I think is really nice. And, yeah, taking kids there at a young age and connecting them to animals that they will grow up with or... Maybe, you know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but it is a really nice place. I really enjoy it there. So, yeah, there's a lot going on in this area. It really uh, I don't is really, now. I don't really know all the things that go on here at the Abbotsford Convent, but I know there's a whole lot of 
well, there's restaurants and cafes. We're sitting in a cafe. There's, yeah. There's yoga stuff. There's well-being stuff. There's art stuff. It's all a little bit too much. <laughs> it is. There's bakery. There's a school here as well. Is there a Steiner school here? Oh, God, is there? Oh, my oh, goodness. There is. I have no idea. There's just, I don't know, there's markets here on the weekends. Like markets on the weekend, the, yeah. yeah. The farmer's market at yeah, the... Yeah, so sometimes there's like a slow food market here at the convent and then there's another farmer's market over at the farm. So it's just... Yeah. There's almost a, too many options. I feel very spoiled living around this part of town because there's just always too much going on sometimes that... I know, I feel like I could never leave because I'm just never going to get to experience it, everything <laughs> otherwise. <laughs> the other cool one, just as a bit of a tangent, is Ceres as well, which I guess, have you been over there? I actually yeah. haven't been up there yeah, yet. I was um, there yesterday, but that's, that's another one worth checking out in a similar vein, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's nice all these little places popping up everywhere. And, yeah, like in the inner city, it, I think it's nice that it gives people who want to live... I guess an inner city lifestyle, mm. that opportunity to go back to, I don't know, maybe what they grew up with. Like I grew up well out of the city. Like, I mean, only sort of an hour from like Sydney CBD. Okay. But yeah, we grew up in a big house. We had a really big backyard and we had a very big veggie patch and animals, you know, dogs and chickens and all that. So it's nice being able to, I just don't think I could go back to living that fight away from things that are happening or, yeah, like living away from the city. Like, you know, I live five k's out of the city, so I enjoy being able to do that, but I also enjoy that I can come to places like Hollywood Children's Farm and feel like I'm totally removed from any sort of CBD. <laughs> um, it's like I feel like I'm 100 kilometres away, which is nice. So. Yeah, that's so right. That's exactly how it feels here. Mm. And it is, like, this is, I guess, in the second ring of suburbs out of Melbourne. Mm. And you're spot on, like, you know, I live in an apartment at the moment with my two kids and the interactions with nature and animals are relatively limited yeah. and I'm sure they're not in a minority there around the world but probably more and more in Australia too. I mean, there's still lots of people in houses in Australia with oh, backyards and stuff yeah. but there seems to be more uh, apartment living. Well, that's right, developing. yeah, I guess smaller living and, yeah, I guess there's part of me as well. I enjoy that I can live in a small apartment that, I only need for myself and my partner, like, we don't need a big four-bedroom house out in the stick somewhere. Like, well, I shouldn't say that, but <laughs> out in the suburbs. And, not, you know, that's not to say that there's not opportunities for interaction with nature out there, but I guess it's, yeah, the further the building of houses is getting a bit... We're building bigger houses but on smaller blocks of land, <laughs> yeah. so I guess the backyard element isn't really there. So, but yeah, I've got a big enough garden. I can have my own little veggie patch, not quite as big as what it was when when I was growing up, but yeah. it's enough to grow a few herbs and there's spinach here and there, so it's good. Yeah. I think places like this, which are sort of communal, they're almost communal backyards. They are know, a little bit, they? yeah. So much better than having your own backyard, I think, because it brings everyone together yeah, and yeah, so much 100%. more that can happen here. And yeah. yeah. But it's good to have your own, like you're, oh, like you're totally, doing, so, so yeah. good to have your own little veggie garden or yeah. your own little bit of nature as well. Not, I think that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, no, it's good. But, uh, yeah, obviously, I can't grow everything still, so it's nice to be able to, yeah, and I say come to the market here and buy something that's been grown locally and buy something shipped from overseas or whatever yeah. and connect with, yeah, your local farmers or just your local community who, I guess, believe in the same thing. So, yeah. yeah. So... Just going back then to where you originally chose, Collingwood Children's Farm, you talked a bit about animals and loving to hang out with animals. Yeah. <laughs> do you want to elaborate on that a little bit more oh, for us? Oh, man. I feel like I've How always... How much do you love animals? Oh, so much. I just... 
yeah, like I said, there's pigeons walking around here. Birds are my only little uh, <laughs> little problem that I have. I just if they fly too close to me, I get a bit frightened. Okay. I've always considered myself to be an animal lover. Like when I was a kid, yeah, we had chickens growing up, and we had a you know big family dog, and I don't know I've always been a bit obsessed with animals. Like whenever we would. I remember this one instance where we were going on holidays as a family and oh, I think it was down on like the south coast of New South Wales somewhere and there was a trout farm yeah. but they also had like a chicken pen and like goats and stuff and the whole idea for us to go there was so that we could go like trout fishing or whatever and I was like, nah, I'm fine and I just was like off playing with the goats and the chickens the whole afternoon and they were like, yeah, like, I don't know, my mum and my stepdad have always like remembered that me and that it's like yeah you've always had this thing about animals like you've always liked I don't know like interacting with them or just being close to them and I guess it only took me until yeah maybe like three two and a half three years ago to realize that I couldn't really be an animal lover if I was still eating them <laughs> yeah I'd always consider myself an animal lover and thought it was very against, you know, animal cruelty when it came to, say, puppies or kittens and, you know, then I'd sort of change my mind about when, say, if I was going to have, an, a, like, a pet, I would never buy it from a pet store because they come from puppy farms and puppy farms are an incredibly sad place that, yeah, we've just come to, I guess, abuse these dogs to give us fluffy pets that we like to give at Christmas as opposed to an actual, say, a family member. So my thinking around that came about and I was like, I would never want to get a puppy or a kitten from a pet store. So, yeah, I did, my partner and I, first cat we've had for, yeah, about three years now. We adopted her from the RSPCA to give her a little home. And, yeah, I guess it was around then that I started having these conflicting things about how I felt about animals because, Yeah. yeah, someone said to me, and it was around that I, the time that we got Pudding, our cat, that also my partner and I had booked a trip to go to Borneo to raise all this money and help save the rainforest over there where obviously the orangutans live and yeah. found out all this shocking information about, you know, there's 60,000 orangutans left in the world and that's, you know, I remember seeing a stat how it's like there's less orangutans in the world than what people can fit in the MCG like, you know, on grand final day and... And I thought about that. I was like, that's really scary. You know, we can get 90,000 people in Melbourne to come to a footy match, but there's only 60,000 of these really incredible animals left in the entire world. And that just really frightened me. And so, yeah, we went on this um, big fundraising journey and learned a lot about the effects of them and obviously talking to a lot of people about, you know, it was just like, hey, you know, you want to donate to us? And they're asking about why we're doing it. And, you know, it's just like I'm just very against anything bad happening to animals. I just, you know, think it's really cruel what society has sort of ended up doing is, you know, we're ruining their rainforest and we're ruining their home because we want to make biscuits cheaper. And, yeah, it was my boss at the time said to me, she's like, how come you want to save the orangutans? But she's like, oh, you still eat meat. And I was like, oh, well, I guess that's different. You know, they're an endangered species and I guess the, the animals that I eat aren't. So I didn't really see... A problem with it but then I started thinking about it and I just yeah I just thought no that's that's wrong I can't I can't call myself an animal lover and I can't say I want to save one species of animals but then eat another like it just didn't sit right with me so yeah I just sort of yeah just quietly just stopped eating it and I guess it didn't really 
make too much of an impact. I, you know, I don't know whether that created too much of an impact, me just doing that, but, yeah, that was almost three years ago now and I feel like that was just a really defining moment for me because I sort of made that connection between a thing that might end up on my plate to an actual living creature that I could choose to hurt or not. So... I guess that's my round, yeah. <laughs> round story of um, animal loving. <laughs> yeah. That's great. There's, uh, there's so many things I want to dig into. So the first one is about, so the first one's about that, so that moment that you had. Yeah. Was there any more than a feeling about it? You know, what's the thought process you went through from saying, okay, I, I care about these endangered species to I'm no longer going to eat any animals? Yeah. Or any animal products, yeah. I guess at first I kind of got, I got a bit angry, like, just because I, I was trying to defend my situation. Yeah. I was just like, oh, well, that's different. Like, you know, orangutans are endangered and, say, chickens aren't. Like, I don't see what the problem is. And I sort of got a bit defensive about it. And I think when I realised I was getting defensive about it, I was like, well, I think that's probably the problem there is that, <laughs> yeah, I was like, well... Just because they're there doesn't mean I can and should eat them because at the end of the day where, you know, society and animal farmers or agricultural farmers, you know, we're breeding animals just to eat. And I just, I don't know, there was a, I guess the more I delved into it, yeah, I just, that just didn't sit right that an animal should be given a life just to be then taken away for me to to enjoy on a hamburger or something. And then actually, so I guess the more I researched about it, because I sort of started looking into a few things and it was actually the environmental impact of agriculture that really shocked me. And I think that's what well and truly made up my decision to stop eating meat was, um, yeah, just behind the transport industry. And this is a worldwide statistic. The transport industry is the second biggest contributor to greenhouse emissions, greenhouse gas emissions, and the agricultural industry is the number one on that list. And I was like, what? Like, I thought I was trying to be good by riding my bike or walking places, you know, you're not using the car. And I was like, this is ridiculous. So how did this go quietly past? How, you know, I was like, do people know about this? Like, and so I just got a bit... That's probably what really made up my mind about it. I just thought if it's an environmental impact, more so than the, yeah, obviously stopping eating animals for an ethical reason. Yeah. But, yeah, it was the environmental impact that really, I guess, crossed me over that line and it's like, nah, this is not right. And, yeah, that's sort of, once I found that out, I just, yeah, I think I made up my mind. Yeah. So I need to have full disclosure here as well. I am a meat eater. No, that is that is fine. I... And, um, <laughs> I suspect that one day that won't be true. <laughs> but right now, there's a few reasons for it. And I'm, I guess, I don't know, maybe I am defending it or feeling a little like I need to defend it when I'm sitting here with you. But one of the big ones is just my health, actually. Yeah. And I've, for the past couple of years, it's just been about making sure that I'm as well as I can be. Yeah. Which I think is probably a great place for most people to start. Yeah. And then yeah. once... In, just in life in general, you know, you've got to look after yourself before you can actually look after other people. Exactly. So that's kind of the point that I'm at. Yeah. That is the point that I'm at. And so I'm interested, my question, my next question is about, you know, your own health and, you know, what yeah. did you do to make sure that in making this adjustment that you were, you know, in terms of your own health and nutrition and that kind of thing, you were still good? Yeah. yeah. That's a very good question and one we do get 
asked a lot, my partner and I. So I was I was vegetarian vegetarian for maybe 18 months before I went vegan. So I stopped eating. So I was still eating cheese and dairy for probably about 18 months after I stopped eating meat. And then yeah, at the start of this year, so it was around February that I decided to just cut it all out, yeah. which I think was a much easier transition than just doing it all in one go. I think I might have failed if I'd done or tried doing that in one go. But when I when I quit eating meat, I not that I necessarily lost weight, but I felt a lot better. I didn't feel like heavy after I was eating, like and and when I thought about it, I was like, God, I was, I was eating a lot of it. I wasn't just this wasn't me just not eating meat, you know, maybe once or twice a week or something. I was like, I was eating it for like lunch and dinner every single day, pretty much. And then on weekends, maybe three times a day. Like, I was eating a lot of it. And, yeah, I guess I just assumed that that was a healthy thing to do. And so, yeah, obviously, when I stopped, I guess when you're having a large amount of protein with a meal and taking that away can feel a little bit like you're neglecting <laughs> stuff on your plate. But I just I made sure I was researching what to eat properly and increasing, like, my vegetable intake. So I wasn't doing it and going, oh, I'm going to stop eating this. I'm just going to eat a, a bag of potato chips for dinner. Yeah. I knew that that wasn't healthy. I guess for me as well, I was seeing it for my own health that I was like, all right, well, if I'm going to stop eating that, I need to replace it with something that will make me full and I guess make me feel satisfied. Yeah. I do love eating. So, yeah. yeah, I just looked a bit more into sort of health and nutrition around, you know, what vegetables were good and, you know, I know protein's always a big thing of, oh, where do you get your protein from? It's like human beings don't really need that much protein and especially me I'm not some hardcore athlete that I need all this protein to help me you know sustain you know a 10 kilometer run every day or something I don't that's not me so I didn't feel like I was missing out on that but yeah there's a lot of vegetables that contain a lot of protein a lot of you know leafy greens they contain a lot of iron so I didn't feel like I was missing out on that and just, yeah, increasing, I guess, your, your legumes and your, your grains. Um, so, yeah, just sort of change, a few subtle changes, nothing, nothing overwhelming because I think I sort of had known all along, I've known all my life that I should eat more vegetables and I think this sort of just confirmed I should do that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I sort of went out and bought a few cookbooks and just sort of learned how to cook again because I had forgotten that. Not that I was ever necessarily a great cook but, I should have been a lot better cook than I actually was. I thought maybe cooking, like, oh, I used to buy these, like, pasta packets and they were, like, they had this, like, powdered cheese in them and then, like, you'd add butter and milk and then you cook them in the microwave. And I thought, oh, if I have that with, like, a head of broccoli, then that's a healthy meal. I'm so embarrassed to admit that now. <laughs> it's like, that's just stupid. Like, And so, yeah, so it started the year when my partner and I, we did go vegan and I guess cut out all animal products we did make sure we went to the doctor and got I guess all clear to make sure that we were okay and yeah so what we've been that for about 10 months now and yeah this was about I think it was about two or three months in and everything was fine and I guess I'm lucky in maybe in that regard that my health is okay and I guess it's something I'm going to have to just make sure I keep an eye on but I think that's important for everybody regardless of what your diet is just to I guess maintain Make sure you're okay. Yeah, and, uh, you know, my iron levels were, were great and B12 wasn't a problem and, yeah, we were we were healthy and I was really happy about that because I was like, yes. <laughs> now every time someone asks me about it, I can just be like, well, I'm fine. Like, yeah. And, yeah, it's just going to be something we'll just have to maintain because, yeah, I do obviously want to make sure that I'm not 
lacking in any nutrients and stuff. And yeah, I know there's, there's supplements you can take and I know some people might say that, oh, well, why would you take a supplement when you can have it from a natural being? But I don't know, I just don't see it that way. Yeah. So... Yeah, but I'm all good. I'm healthy as I can be, I hope. <laughs> I might need to go back and get another checkup. <laughs> There's a couple of prolonged periods of time where I have been vegetarian. Mm. One was after a, um, a, a 10-day meditation that I did where we just they fed us vegetarian food for 10 days. Yeah. And I was actually like, no, you're not allowed to kill any animals for 10 days. So I was so aware of even just yeah. mozzies and spiders and ants and everything. It was it was pretty amazing, actually. And even when I came back, I was so aware of all the animals around me. I know. I mean, it's funny how you... It's just conscious thinking, I think. That's sort of what I try and explain to people about because I think it's very easy to just turn around and say, oh, well, animals are here for us to eat and that's just the way it is. But, you know, it's, yeah, the conscious thinking of, like, I don't know, making sure you're not stepping over an ant colony and killing you know, a whole bunch of innocent ants. Like, not, um, you know, not that they did anything wrong to you and not saying that. But it's just, yeah, just conscious thinking of yeah. do I need to kill that spider that's living in my bedroom or can I let him escape outside? Like, and, you know, I know they're frightening and I know that, you know, some animals are poisonous and dangerous in Australia. So, I'm, you know, I'm not saying we need to try and save everyone if it is going to actually harm you. Yeah. But, yeah, it's just more of a conscious thinking that you are aware of what's around you and... Yeah, if you are taken away from something or if you're saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop doing this, it just makes you more aware of what the consequences, I guess, are of doing that. So, yeah, like you said, you don't want to kill that mozzie or <laughs> little, you know, ant scurrying past you. <laughs> yeah. The ants again in the kitchen. Um. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that's always my default is to just, you know, kill them. What are they doing here? They don't yeah. belong here. I'm like, well... What, what harm are they actually causing me by being here? Not much. No. It's, a, it's a bit of a, you know, I'm just sort of, I'm seeing them, I'm getting annoyed for some reason because I'm seeing them in my kitchen. But Oh, you know. and it is annoying and it is frightening, especially I'm sure if you have kids and, you know, even I've got two cats and I'm sure, you know, let's just say I'm conscious of there being a spider in my house because at the same time if it's a dangerous spider, if it does say bite them, then that's going to be all us, you know, it's going to be harmful. So... I think it's also being aware that some things can actually hurt you. It's true. Yeah. But I think, like, I think there is a bit, I guess what I'm trying to get at is there's, we like to just disconnect ourselves from the natural environment oh, a lot. Totally. And when it comes into yeah. our life, it's a bit of a shock. Yeah. And it's a bit like, well, that doesn't belong in here, doesn't it? <laughs> like, well, that's like if you were to, say, witness, like, how an animal that you ate, like, I'm sure... Nine out of ten people, this is just my random statistic, um, would turn around and say that they wouldn't like to kill an animal that they would like to eat. And I guess that was my thinking as well. It's like if I couldn't kill the animal I wanted to eat, then I wasn't going to do it. Yeah. And I just can't see myself ever doing that. So, and, yeah, there's this total disconnection between what we know as an animal, like when it isn't a live, beautiful little lamb. It's like when I found this photo of me the other day and I was probably when I was about 20 and there was a little, like a petting zoo. And again, I've always been obsessed with animals. So it's like all these other kids are running around the petting zoo and here I am as a 20-year-old. And it's like, oh, my God, little lambs. And I'm like feeding them. And I, have, I found this photo of me like, yeah, giving them some little grain or feed. <laughs> yeah. 
and yeah, I'm just like, oh, I'm such an animal lover, you know. And I think back and I was like, God, you know, it's like we take our kids to these petting zoos and we take them to say something like the children's farm. And we're like, oh, you know, pet the lamb. Oh, isn't he beautiful? Oh, let's milk the cow. But we don't actually think about, like, what's going to happen to that lamb. Afterwards, like, we think it's all cute and fluffy, but mm. then we'll go and feed it to our children for dinner. Mm. I just think that disconnect is really incredible. How we just don't even consider that mm. an animal that we will go and see at a farm or go and see at a petting zoo somewhere. Yeah, a goat or a lamb or a sheep. Or anything, yeah. We just we see it as as that it's removed, like, and maybe that animal won't end up on someone's plate, but it might. Yeah. But yeah, we just have this total disconnect between what we see as as a cute and fluffy animal, and yeah, when it gets to our plate, there's nothing like that, and so there's such this disconnect between, you know, what was a live animal and what now isn't. So mm, there is. The other thing I think about too is about, well, you know. Killing humans is murder. Yes. If that's the line in my head, mm. where does that line start? Like, what level of consciousness? Where do I draw that line? Yeah. You know, like, oh, do I totally, go down yeah. just one level to say orangutans and gorillas and apes? Like, yeah. or do I go down? Like, or is you know they can communicate? It seems like there's a sense of awareness there. Like, do I go down the next level beyond that? Or you know, where where am I? Kind of okay with it. Not okay with it. Exactly. And if, and if, yeah. And if, Apes did evolve to the next level. Yeah. You know, how would we feel about them being among among us, and like, how would we treat them at that point, and how would that yeah. inform how we then we treated a whole lot of other animals as well? I mean, and talking generally as a oh, as a yeah. culture, you know, but yeah. I don't know if it's a term for that necessarily, but there's this term called speciesism, yeah, which is about how basically, <laughs> yeah, we as humans, like, we think we're so much better than than anything else, and that we. There's a really great book that I read and it's called Why We Love Dogs, Eat Pigs and Wear Cows. And so it's that disconnect of what's a pet to you, what's an endangered species to you. And, yeah, I mean, I know I was one of those people once upon a time, but it frustrates me now when I see people share things on my Facebook feed about, oh, this puppy farm needs to be shut down or I can't believe they just culled all these elephants overseas and you're just like... And then, like, the next post I see will be them having a seafood platter or some sort of, you know, giant meaty dish. Yeah. And, yeah, it's just that disconnect of not knowing what is... And, yeah, just not understanding, I think. What do you consider as beneath you equal? And I guess that's just what I try and see myself as, is that I'm equal to all mm. beings or people, you know, like, no one's above or below... You know, that goes for human beings and as well for, for animals or, yeah, for anything. Like, I'm not higher or lower on the scale than, than anyone else is or anything else is. So, mm. yeah, there's a few um, vegans who I've seen a few slogans, things, and it's like, meat is murder and, you know, I guess, yeah, I guess it is, like, to a certain extent, but it's, Yeah. <laughs> this isn't getting too heavy. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Making it's everyone good. who's listening feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to be brought across these ideas. <laughs> ideas that, you know, you know, because we all curate our Facebook feeds subconsciously. Oh, yeah. By the people that we hang out with. And, yeah. And it's very easy to live in that, you know, that echo chamber that a lot of people have been talking about yeah. recently. Yes. Um, no, it's really good. Um, so how else 
Like how else is this, has this translated into, you know, different ways of living? It's changed the way you eat. Has it changed yes. other parts of your life as well? Definitely. Like, yeah, going back to how, yeah, my partner and I, we wanted a pet and we want a dog. We knew we couldn't get a dog in our apartment that we're in. So we thought, okay, next best thing is a cat. <laughs> so, yeah, we were like, well, there are so many cats around, especially where we live. There's so many stray cats everywhere and just... They, yeah, they just breed everywhere and people don't, and people just let them run around. And anyway, so we were like, all right, we're going to adopt a cat. So, yeah, we adopted her. And then we said, I still have this hankering for a dog. So we thought, okay, what's like the next best option of not owning a dog? Dog. So we ended up looking into fostering animals and how we could help out that way. Yeah. So, yeah, we started fostering dogs to give them, I guess, be their little halfway home. <laughs> Yeah, they were the first little dogs we had were two little chihuahuas called Angus and Bubbles. Yeah. And they, I can't remember what their story was. I think they were maybe from a puppy farm. They were, they came from Queensland and they were in amongst a group of about seven dogs, I think, who were, had to be rescued. And so they were just the sweetest little things and, yeah, they were yeah, just tiny little, and you know, we, it's hard when you just want to save all the dogs and you just want to have them all, but you're like, okay, we live in a small apartment that has yeah. a little backyard, but we live on a main road, we can't have a, a big kelpie um, that's going to jump over the fence. So we had to, yeah, just get some little dogs. So that was yeah. quite funny when my partner's, you know, walking this little chihuahua called Bubbles down the road. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I guess we sort of found that as a way of helping animals out that, yeah, I guess like seeing actually what the impact was and yeah we had them for about five weeks and they went and found a home and they were very happy and I believe they're still there and and one we had just recently she found a home earlier this year but we had a little Japanese chin dog and she was called Lila and she was just the most beautiful little thing and she had been given up because her owner I think had gone into a nursing home so she'd been with her owner I think she was about 10 so she was quite old and she was a little bit grumpy and she had like five teeth left because she had been, I think, fed human food her whole life. And so she was adorable though and she was very, very sweet and I just became so attached to her. Yeah. I was like, I can't let her go. And my partner said to me, he's just like, I know you don't want to, but if we can find Lila a home, if we can find her a nice loving home, he's like, that means we can open up a house again to have another animal that we can help. I was like, that's a really good point. So I always try and remember that now, that as much as, yeah, you just want to take every, every little dog or animal in and try and help them out, that, you know, you can only do so much and you can just do what you can. Yeah. And, yeah, and so she ended up finding a home, which was really lovely. And then the next animal we got was a little kitten who has stayed with us. Um, we have adopted him as he well. He was, yeah, I guess on, not on death row. I don't want to say that as a... That's a really bad thing. But he, yeah, he was, he was born and the, the owner just was like, I don't want him. If the charity doesn't take him, then he'll, he won't be around anymore. A nice way of saying that. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I guess it's nice when there's people who think about that rather than just going and, say, dumping an animal, um, that they do think that there are these charities that can take in these homes and yeah, so we ended up adopting him. We've had him for about three or four months now. So he's the second little permanent fixture in our home. Yeah. So yeah, I think we'll wait till um, he settles a bit before we start maybe fostering some more dogs. But yeah, I guess it's, 
Yeah, I don't know if me stopping eating meat has changed anything, but I think it's nice when, say, a cat or a dog that you can bring into your home and look after and give love, you can really see what an impact you're making. And I know that that might not sound very worthwhile to a lot of people, you know, but I guess at, like, a local level, like, you can actually see if you can, you know, bring this little puppy dog in who's... And not to say that they've had a bad life, but we did have one for a short couple of weeks and she was just found lost and wandering and she was had really bad vision and she was a bit deaf and she just was just didn't have a name and didn't have any she was just nothing. And we only had her for a couple of weeks because she didn't get on with that cat, so that was a bit <laughs> of a shame. Um, but she was just I don't know, it's just like when you can see that they just need love and she just she, you know, had to have a little bit of an operation before she came to us and so she just sort of wanted to, to sleep and just, and she was just so happy and it's like she couldn't even see me, I don't think, but she'd just sit there and look at me and she just had these, like, just this happy look on her face and it just, I just, like, overwhelmed me so much because she just, you could just see how happy she was and you could just see what a difference, like having a cuddle or having a little pat, just having a little tummy scratch, just, I know those things are so little and they might not mean a lot, but... You know, there's a quote I've seen, it's like, you know, to one, I guess it's like, to one person you may not be the world, but to some other person you might be the whole world or something. I know that, I guess that applies to animals sometimes, is that, mm. you know, saving one animal might not change the world, but it'll change their world. And I know that's yeah. a bit, you know, yeah. airy-fairy and everything else. But, yeah, I think... And, yeah, it was a shame that she couldn't stay with us, but I've sort of been able to follow her progress a little bit and she and she was a bit overweight when she came to us and she's lost a bit of weight now and <laughs> yeah. she had a big haircut because she was just all a big shaggy mess and it's just nice to see how much other people care as well because clearly no one had cared for her before and that's how she ended up where she was. And So it's just, yeah, it's nice to see when people care, I think. Totally. And like you're saying, you know, we can all make that kind of small difference in somebody's world yeah. as well. And I don't think any of us, well, not many of us, can change the whole world. There's probably a few people in the world that can. Yes. <laughs> but, but, you know, most of us, the impact that we have isn't going to be known by that many people, but the people that do know about it are really going to appreciate it. Yes. And I think that's what I try and think about as well. Like while we were fundraising for our trip to Borneo and... You know, we had a fundraising night and telling people about the effects of palm oil and what was going on in the rainforest over there. You know, a lot of people didn't know and we were like, out of a room of 50 people, we thought if we can get one person here to stop buying a certain type of product that contains palm oil, like, uh, you know, that's amazing. Yeah. Like, if we can get one person to change their mind and shift their thinking about something, that's really powerful. And, yeah, I'm sure, you know, I know for a fact, you know, a lot of my family and friends haven't changed their minds about veganism or what they're eating and I can't force them to do that because yeah like for so long as well I was one of those people who put that to the side and I was like oh that's bloody stupid like why would you stop eating meat you know <laughs> I, I was I was someone like that so yeah <laughs> I feel like I've done like a real like 360 of maybe who I used to be but everyone has to just make up their own minds but I think if you can educate them with what you know and I think that's what's really exciting is that once you find out something I'm a bit like this like once I know something I can't unknow it mm. and so then I just get really excited and I just want to tell everybody and yeah and I know that sometimes might come across as 
either aggressive or really pushy, but, you know, it's like I think there's really important things that people need to know that we've been shied away from as a society, you know, about agricultural farming or just about how many animals are dumped each year and it will just, you know, it's like reconsider what you might think is a gift to someone, mm. like a puppy at Christmas time. Like it's not a gift, it's a family member. Like it's going to be, it's, you know, no one says that about children. <laughs> you don't have a child and go, like, oh, we're just going to see how she goes, you know, see how she fits in. If not, we might just take her back or yeah. like. It's a, it's a commitment. It's like you have to look at it that way. And I think it's, yeah, it's like what I said about being equal. Like I'm not, as much as my kitten is driving me up the wall at the moment, I'm not just going to go and take him back and go, oh, well, someone else can take care of him. It's just like, no, we've committed to him and, giving, you know, we've committed to giving him a good little life. And, yeah. yes, he can be frustrating, but also, you know, he deserves a chance to be loved and give us love. And, yeah, uh, he's not anything less than what I am, yeah. even as a three-kilo little fluff ball. Like, <laughs> yeah, every, I think this, if we saw everything as equal and we saw everyone as the same as us, then I think that would just create a much nicer world. <laughs> yeah. I think that, yeah, it's that I haven't thought about that much. I'm sure there's people that are experts in it, but that ability to help people change their minds or become aware of things. Mm. Now, you know, I know in the past I've got a bit preachy about the things that I've actually been convinced about and it probably turns people off even more or a bit overly passionate but, you know. That I, and that is my, oh, like, that's my 100% fear about even speaking to you today. It's just like, oh, God, are people going to listen to this and be like, oh, you know, just another one of them. Just <laughs> got way too many, too much time on our hands to think about all these things but... I don't know. I mean, I sort of take comfort in the fact that I never used to be like this. So, yeah. like, we can change and we can totally shift our thinking. And just dropping in bits of awareness around the place, I think, is a big part of that. And then, like you say, people, you can't, you can't make people make a change. They no. need to be ready for it. And sometimes, who knows what that thing that kind of tips them over the edge to, yeah. to, be, to make that change is going to be. As well, yeah. Well, it's, you know, and it's, like you said, like we all can't change the world in this massive way, but we can try and do it in ways that we can. And that's not, you know, for someone who might be listening to this, that like their thing might not be saving animals or helping animals. That might be doing something completely different. You know, say a friend of mine, Carmen, she does all this amazing work for women overseas and helping them get an education. Like I wouldn't even know where to start doing that, but... I know that what I can do is help animals. Yeah. And it's, I just think if you can find what you're passionate about and you can try and figure out a way to learn more about that and see how you can help, it could be at a local level, it could be at an international level. It just, mm. you know, thinking about items you purchase that might make a difference. So it's just conscious thinking, like knowing what you're buying, knowing what you're doing, what you're impact is on whatever industry it might be that you're passionate about. There's so many ways we can make a difference. And, yeah, it doesn't have to be you stopping eating meat. It doesn't have to be you fostering a dog. It could be a number of things. And I think yeah. that's what's really important is just to know what your limit is and what your, yeah, just figure out what you love doing and see how you can help. If you want to make a change, like, yeah. 
it, it can be done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I might just check the time and see. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, cool. And we might be getting kicked out of here in a minute I know, as well. I was just so. thinking that. <laughs> so there's two questions I ask at the end. But there's one I wanted to ask about your blog and I think the other things that you're doing yeah. as well. So do you want to do you want to talk a little bit about that before I sure. wrap things up? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I guess my blog started um, probably around the time I guess I started thinking about changing my lifestyle a bit more. So, yeah, maybe about three years ago and... Yeah, just learning a lot more about, you know, the environment and how to be, I guess, how to just live a, a kinder lifestyle. And, yeah, I just, I didn't really have an avenue, I guess, because it was very different to what I'd been talking about in the past or, you know, say, like, friends of mine, like, it wasn't stuff I could talk about with them because I knew we weren't quite on the same page maybe. So I just thought, where's a way I can channel this into a blog? And so, yeah, just sort of, and I'm... I studied as a journalist, so I was like, writing is something I really enjoy doing. So I just thought it seemed silly not to yeah. start doing a blog. And I don't know if anyone else reads it apart from my mum. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was just about if someone could come across that article and say, read a thing about stopping using a disposable coffee cup every single morning, I'd be super stoked if they read that and were like, oh, yeah, so I read about this. And, yeah, again, it's about, it's you know, there's so much... I feel like there is, you know, so much more to my, I guess, environmental impact than, say, stopping eating meat because I know I don't can't see that difference, whereas it's like if I take a reusable coffee cup every morning yeah. to go and get my coffee, yeah. I know I'm stopping that coffee cup from ending up in the rubbish. It's never going to biodegrade. Yeah. So it's just, yeah, making these little changes and I guess like learning about things that I didn't know before and, yeah, getting, giving me a chance to express how I feel about about the environment and trying to guess, you know, as much as it gets me down sometimes I think about the plight of our planet. Yeah, if you all make little changes, fingers crossed, we can yeah. <laughs> we can make a difference. So Yeah. Yeah. And what's if people wanna check that out, how can they check that out? So it is jessicaivers.com where you can and yeah, I guess it's more of a I've just redone it, so it's a bit more of a combination of my my work in the digital media space which is what I do for my bread and butter to pay my bills and pay for all my cat and dog food that I have to buy (laughs) and then my passions for yeah I guess creating a bit of a kind of lifestyle and you know speaking to people who who are doing the same thing so it's a bit of everything on there but um it is is well worth a read I think there's there's plenty on there for everybody yeah awesome (laughs) So the two questions that I ask at the end, uh, the first one is about something else that you daydream about disrupting one day outside of what you're doing or maybe it's an extension of what you're doing but something that you're not really involved with at the moment that's in in the back of your mind and you think, yeah, I'd love to be part of disrupting that at Um, some point. I don't know if there's a specific industry or, or thing that I think, but I did have a dream this morning about something I could do and it was this... The dream I had was it was about like 100 days of social change, but I was like, 100 days is quite long. I might need to scale that back to say 30. But um, yeah, it's this guy called Tim Silverwood, and he's an environmentalist, and he started a campaign called Take Three for the Sea, and it's encouraging people to every time they go out, if they go for a walk, go to the beach, just pick up three pieces of rubbish, and it's just little things like that that can really make a difference. Like you can stop that 
plastic water bottle going into mm. the ocean. So yeah, it was weird. I had this dream about it this morning and I got up and I was like, oh, I need to just write this down. And, and I think there's a way we can, yeah, maybe with what I've learned and whether that information is too much for people to process, but I think giving people an opportunity to try something. So, you know, say for my partner and I when we went vegan, we were like, all right, we're going to do this for six weeks. And if it just gets to the end, then we're just like, this was terrible or I feel awful or, I, mm. you know, luckily we got to the end and we felt great and felt so much better, so we kept going. Yeah. But I think if you try something first, so I'm interested in seeing hopefully if I can work on this a bit more is maybe just disrupting the way that we just do everyday things. So, yeah, like I said about the coffee cup or, you know, just not driving your car or taking a, the bike or there's nothing wrong with driving your car. I still own a car. My partner and I, you know, we've got one car between us. We still drive it. And I'm not saying never drive a car again, but just think about me driving it or if you can get away with walking or something. So I don't know. I feel like there's a way you can, I think it's part of me that gets a bit scared about being called, you know, like an influencer or something. <laughs> and so I don't know if people will pay attention to what I have to say, but I think I'm hoping to make what I've learned, if I can encourage people to put that into everyday practice. Looking forward to that. So, I don't know, I thought that was kind of ironic. I had that dream this morning before I spoke to you. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I think that idea of just trying things on for size is really powerful. Mm. You know, getting just, well, you know, try living without a car for a week and just see how it goes, yeah. see how it changes things. You can always go back to it. I think that's, that's, that's a really right. powerful thing. Yeah. There's no harm in just trying it on for size. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. You never know. So. The last question is about yourself and you've made some big changes in becoming, you know, vegan. Yeah. But what about, is there a subtle change or a small change in the theme of the podcast, you know, subtle disruption? But is mm. there a, a small change that you've made in your own life that's had a big impact on your life or the way you live or the way you think? Um, I don't know. I mean, I know it sounds like, say, going vegan was a really big change. But I think that was a combination of all these little small things that happened. Yeah. yeah, like just my boss saying to me that thing about, oh, well, why do you want to save them and not save them? You know, it's like that sort of triggered something and then coming across an article about agriculture or just, and yeah, I don't know, just feeling like a connection to, yeah, say coming to the farm or something and feeling a connection with an animal that you... Yeah, just my, my change in thinking really shifted and I think it was just due to a couple of conversations with people due to some things I'd read online. I guess as you learn more about things, you tend to become more involved with people that think the same way and so I think it was me sort of reaching out to find things I could be a bit more involved in. Like I think actually I came to the convent here, it was probably about two years ago now, but there was a sustainability festival on and... I know, I guess I didn't really know too much about, about it, but I thought, oh, you know, that'd be good to go and check out. And it's just, the more you know, the more it kind of crafts your thinking. And I guess it was, yeah, just a combination of a little, you know, people around me, new people I'd met, events going to just, I don't know, it was like all of a sudden this, yeah, even though it was kind of a big change, there was just all these little things that happened. I just started looking at things differently, like... What's going to happen to that, you know, plastic straw when I leave it? It's just going to go in the bin and that'll be it. Like, I guess I just, I don't know, I just had this conscious thinking of, yeah, the way I looked at things. I just couldn't see it as what, as just 
that anymore. I felt, I don't know, I sort of started feeling all these like attachments <laughs> to things. And I guess over time that just sort of has escalated into, yeah, some bigger, bigger changes. And I like to see that as a continual involvement of me. So even though it might seem like a big change right now, that, that'll just be another blip on the radar of evolving as a human being and yeah, evolving like as, as a person further and further down the track because I don't want this to be what defines mm. my life right now because I know that I have so much more that I can offer and I have so much more that I can change about me. I know I'm not perfect and no one's perfect, but yeah. it's, yeah, like the more you learn, the more you know, the more you can change. And, yeah, I just want to keep it rolling. <laughs> yeah. So. Jess, I think that's great. Uh, that's a great moment to finish yeah. up after that. That's, uh, thank you so much for thank you showing very and much. speaking so openly. And I look forward to, you know, you've, you've set a new baseline for yourself now. So I have, I have. It's, like, it's exciting to see where it goes from here. Yes. Yeah. Fingers crossed it's okay. All, all the only way is up. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers. Thank you. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I have a question for you. Has someone ever asked you a question that has rocked your world and caused you to change something about the way you live? If so, I would love to hear about it. You can post something on the Facebook page, through Twitter or Instagram, or even send me an email, adam at subtledisruptors.com. And of course, let me know if there are subtle disruptors you think I should know about. Coming up next week, I'll be talking with David Packman about the opportunity of crisis. I'm Adam Murray, and I hope you feel a little more encouraged, connected, and resolute in your own quest of subtle disruption. Bye for now.